0: Welcome to another very special episode of The Middleman. This is episode one of season 11. And we have a very special topic tonight. I'm here with Doug Allen on the first microphone. Hey, John hey! Merkel who is going to be running sound and gracing us with all kinds of terrific commentary. And we have a special guest and a very special topic. But first, I want to note this occasion. Doug, can you believe it's been over 10 years at this point that we've been doing this podcast? It,
1: it is amazing. I mean, before podcast was even a thing, we were doing podcasts. We were
0: We were pioneers yes. in, the, in, in, yes. the, in the podcast realm. And it's really the listeners that have made this all worthwhile. And what really, gets, really warms my heart when I look back on this decade is it's the it's the generational listeners, you know, the ones who grew up listening to to their oh, to the yeah. podcast with their parents, and now they're sharing it with their kids. I know, and you it, know those um, you know those those middle mites really are the ones that are yes are the middle know, mites. special to me, and they call us in, they, they 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 text you a lot. Sometimes as young as six or seven. Sometimes
1: yes, I get text messages and uh, emails from. Uh, kids who can barely form a sentence and they all think we've had them as guests Uh, yeah yeah, you're right just a few weeks ago i think (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it it is touching and uh it's humbling because i feel like we were on the cutting edge of of things that probably hurt and um and it's just it's good. It's good to be here. It's good to be with JD, and we have a whole room. We even have you know, a studio audience, and a yeah, we have an audience back there
0: it, tonight. It, it, yeah, say hi, guys. We're we're gonna get into a topic, but just, just just wrapping this up. Uh, it, it's our loyal listeners that bring us back here to the ping pong table studio week after every other week or so, and and even some of our non loyal listeners.
1: Yeah, some of our best listeners don't listen don't, at all.
0: Then. And- <laughs>
2: introduce our guest
3: tonight. <laughs> I don't know if
0: I'm worthy. We're talking to Dr. Alfred McGivern, um Freddie, for those of us who knew him growing up. And uh-huh. our our topic tonight is education uh in the new in the new age or the new age of education now. And we have a, a number of guests lined up. We're gonna see where this goes, but um Lots of options now for educating our children, and, and um, Fred came up to me a few weeks ago and suggested this might be a good topic, and uh, we wholeheartedly agreed. So, Fred, we're going to let you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your thoughts give on us, this topic.
1: Give us a background, Fred. I've known you since, I mean, I don't remember a time I didn't know you. I yeah. mean we we've go back to little little kids knowing each other. You were little Freddie.
3: Yeah, yeah. We were, we were yeah. tiny little roly-poly our, kids. Our parents were friends. Baseball
1: out in the yard. Adults. Yeah. yeah now par- we're roly-poly adults, right? <laughs> our yeah. parents were friends, so we just kind of grew up knowing each other. We don't remember not knowing each other. So we re- tell people what we don't know and start start going back. Give us a history
3: of where you from then to now, Fred. Okay, well, I am a product of public education, I graduated from Fort Cherry High School as you guys did. And uh, upon graduation, I really had no idea that uh, what I was going to do. And um, I had this uh, dream in my head that I was going to be a disc jockey or radio personality. So I, uh, luckily, I ended up at Waynesburg College. Um, actually, because I used to announce the band shows at Fort Cherry halftime. Um, and the radio station manager heard about me through the football coach that was there uh, to recruit players. And um, I never took SATs or ACTs, wasn't academically inclined at all in, uh, in, in high school. But uh, shortly after I got to, to college and started down my path, as a, I was an English major with an emphasis on communications because I had the radio personality in mind. Um, I discovered through a professor that I had an innate ability to write, which um, really baffled me because nobody up until that point had recognized that. And um, I think that uh, one of the – because that professor did that, I got to thinking And shortly into my freshman semester. I changed my major to education, um, English secondary education, and uh, basically wanted to go back and and discover or look for those kids at the bottom like me that were were struggling with in high school and really didn't know what they didn't know. And um, I became an English teacher, and and, uh, shortly after I graduated from uh, high school or from college, Waynesburg College, I uh, got a job at Fort Cherry as the the, uh, alternative education teacher, which was the troubled youth, the kids that were having trouble in the regular education system. Uh, they literally put me in a closet with those kids. Um, they, seriously, the, the placard on the door said storage. And, uh, Everybody thought that was your last name. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was in that room with eight kids that uh, otherwise, otherwise were struggling out in the po- general population. Uh, about a year and a year into that the state dropped the funding. general
0: population sounds like prison. It does. Just making the point yeah sorry for interrupting.
3: I don't disagree. <laughs> it does sound like prison, but it's I don't know lack of terms I guess. Um, so uh, after a year of that I, I landed I ended up with a, with an English position. I taught 10th grade English. For five years and um, while I was doing that I went back to school to get my principal certification and um, right after I got my principal certification the assistant principal at Fort Cherry left and went to McGuffey High School and I became the assistant principal at Fort Cherry High School. I was the assistant principal for three years and then um, Mr. Ray Johnson was the principal he retired and I uh, assumed his position I was the principal at Fort Cherry for three years and then I moved on to West Green High School for 18 short months. And I left West Green and went to Mount Lebanon High School. I was a unit one principal at Mount Lebanon for three years. And then I became the principal back to alternative education. I became the principal of Alternative Center for Education at uh, Parkway West Career and Technology Center. Um, four years after that, that school closed. And they moved me to assistant principal at the CTC where I spent uh, 12 years as the assistant principal. And um, I just retired August 1st.
0: Congratulations on your retirement.
3: Congratulations on that.
1: Congratulations on a great career.
3: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, If I had it to do all over again, I think I would have stayed in the classroom longer. Um, I really enjoyed teaching. It was a lot of fun. Um, Administration became more like... uh, running of the running of a business and um, it was a little less personable. I was a little further away from the kids and uh, it wasn't as much fun. So um, if I had to do it all over again, I think that's the only thing I would change is I probably would have stayed in the classroom a little bit longer.
0: I would have stayed in the classroom longer too. graduation was the worst thing I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: And that's, you know, that's another thing that's kind of a, uh, it's an interesting part of education is, uh, the audience always changes, and you get to see, you know, throughout my career, you know, I, I have kids, you know, I had kids here at the end that were the grandchildren of the kids I had in the beginning, and it's kind of crazy to think about, but it was tr- it's true. Um, so generations of kids go before you.
0: We went through that um, with my daughter Allison, uh, homeschooled most of her career, and then in seventh grade. Went to Fort Cherry for one year, and um, we could talk. I'd like to talk about alternative education and your thoughts on it, um, sure. since you actually brought it up. Um, and yeah, my art uh, teacher, Mr. Dlatchu, was I think in his first year of teaching as I was graduating, was in his last year of teaching as Allison was there. Um, and uh, there's a story behind that. Maybe we'll get to it later. But um, so. Talk to me a little bit about alternative education because one of the topics I want to cover today is that there's a lot of choices out there for education. And we talk about school choice, there's charter schools, homeschooling has become uh, a bigger deal um, in the past few years and has continued to continue to expand. So I wanted to talk about um, our right. phone lines are ringing out the hook right now. <laughs> Keep those donations coming in. We're very close to our goal of $13 million.
1: <laughs> the next five
0: callers gets a tote bag. And here's Ed McMahon with the latest recount.
3: <laughs>
0: Go ahead. I forgot where it was. Oh, So alternative education and, and education choices.
3: Yeah, educational choice has become a huge topic over the last, I'd say, 15 years. But uh, I think that uh, one of the things that I've noticed is <laughs> Alternative settings have gotten much better over the years than they were in the beginning. Um, And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, expectations that uh, have been placed on those alternative settings. So, um, you know, back in the beginning when homeschool homeschool really kind of started to take roots, it was – it was in its infancy, of course, but the thing that uh, frustrated me about it was there were, there really were a lot of people that were trying to take advantage of a situation and didn't put the effort into homeschooling their children that they probably should have. Um, since then, it has changed dramatically, and what I have found is that. Uh, with the right set of parents and the right set of circumstances, a homeschool student can oftentimes be as educated, if not better educated, than any student that's in the public school system.
0: Now, it, thanks a lot. And it's also vocational training that's a, a good option for a lot of the kids as well. I don't want to make this just about public schools yeah, sure. as well, a whole thing.
3: You know, moving into the CTC in the second half of my career, one of the things one of the biggest differences in, in career and technology training is that the majority of students want to be there. And they're there for a specific reason, and they found, hopefully they found, or after they're there for a short period of time, they quickly find their niche. And once they get there, once they find their niche and they buy into their niche, um, discipline problems go away, uh, focal focus problems go away, um, even... Even the, the monstrosity that special education has become often seems to fall to the back burner whenever a student has found their niche. That's terrific. And they're um, successful in their program areas and they want to be in their program areas, which is, I think the biggest reason why discipline becomes a little bit less of an issue because they really feel like they have something to lose. Um, You know, they don't necessarily want to be sitting in English class talking about Julius Caesar, but they certainly want to be in their welding shop learning about different types of welds. So, um, you know, that... And again, I think that lends itself to any part of education and any part of a career choice. When you have a student's buying into whatever you're teaching them, it makes the job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah.
1: Fred, do you find... um a difference in how people look at a four-year college degree now—is it? I, I, do people find it necessary to have one, or is it necessary to have one? Are there other alternatives to people, kids, that don't feel like a four-year degree is what they're what they're interested in?
3: Glad you asked that question, Doug. Yeah, um, there's been a big, a big uh, swing in that thought process. Um, four-year degrees aren't necessarily um, as important as they were, what I would say, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, and it's changing dramatically as time goes by. I think that um, a lot of people have realized that uh, the trades – are a very viable option for an outstanding way to make a living. Um, I have students that um, have graduated from the CTC um, that are in the welding field or in the HVAC field that, um, you know, shortly after they're out of school, not long after they're out of school, they're knocking down six figures. And um, I'm sitting in my office with eight years of college education and a, and a Ph.D., and they come back to visit me, and their purse is a little bit bigger than my purse, <laughs> um, which is great. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. G- got to be and a good I, feeling. And I think, a lo- I think they're starting to recognize. I think parents are starting to realize that and recognize that. I don't know the exact sat- statistic, but I believe it's somewhere around 30 or 32% of jobs um, in the next 10 years will require a four-year degree. So that, yeah. that leaves us with 68 almost 70% of jobs that and may require some education perhaps a 2 year perhaps a 2 year degree perhaps some type of technical training but they don't necessarily require a four year degree. I know a lot of people that got four year degrees that aren't working in their field. And they're saddled with
1: incredible amount of student loan debt.
3: Yeah, yeah, student loan debt today is much different than it was in the uh, early in the '80s, when we mm-hmm. assumed uh, student loan debt, um, even then, but back then, it took me ten years to pay off yeah. my student loans, and I didn't borrow a whole lot of money because I had quite a bit of grants because I had a a rather low income family that I came from. So, um, but now you know you're you're saddled with six figures, a hundred thousand yeah. dollars or more worth of debt, and you have a degree in whatever it may be in. My nephew. Um, has a degree in in sports management and he has gone back to school and become a barber. Um, but his sports management degree he's still paying for, mm-hmm. um, but he's cutting hair to do it. So um, you know choosing choosing whatever career it is or whatever whatever career path a child uh, a student takes, they really need to, to weigh the options and consider what's the best
0: route to get there. When We were talking about, uh, I want to make sure that we touched on that because it's something I see as an adult, more than an adult, you know, 40 years outside the school at this point almost, and I can, I can see adults who took that turn. Maybe they were labeled as having some sort of learning challenges when they were in high school. Maybe they were marginalized because of that. They didn't get the, the time given to them that they needed, and then later on, they found their niche, just like you were niche, niche.
3: Niche, 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 N I C A G, it's out- spelled. I'm not sure I I nice.
0: how you say it. I want to have a lowly master's degree. I can mispronounce things. <laughs> so, but they find that and they're, they're the lucky ones, right? And so, how many didn't, didn't find that trade that gave them a good income and they just really latched onto it? Now, so, I wanted to touch on that. But one thing I wanted to talk about, because it's become a, a bigger issue, particularly in the past couple of years uh, post pandemic. Uh, is homeschooling and that's something near and dear to our hearts. Sure. in Pennsylvania, uh, administrators need to evaluate homeschoolers' curriculum and they do that with a portfolio and you've you've evaluated those and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about what that's like when you're working in a traditional public school and and even in um, you know the uh, the trades and then to be sitting across the desk from a homeschool mom who's got that portfolio that she and her child have put their heart and soul into and how that interaction happens. And I just so happen to have a homeschool mom here right now across the table from you. And I want to give you two a chance to talk about that okay. process. I,
3: it's been a while since I myself have, have um, evaluated a portfolio. And when I did it, it was in the two, uh, 2003 through 2006. I did it. Um, exclusively, I did it by myself, and the parent wasn't in the room with me. I don't know. Are, are you in the room with the with you the principal? Introduce now?
4: yourself. So my name is Kit, and um, unlike Fred, I do remember a time when I didn't know Doug. Those were dark, dark days. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the, the dawn of my life started when I met J.D., but the <laughs> sunshine beamed when I met Doug. The first time I, I met... That was
2: just his head. He
4: has, oh, just no. the no, he he
3: has that effect just on people. He tends to brighten lives.
1: I uh, brighten lives and uh, darken... <laughs> doorways. Doorways, <laughs> yeah.
4: So, like, I will say, though, the first time I met Fred... He was cooking kettle corn at the <laughs> Apple Festival and had two students with him who were detention. on detention. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what stage of your career you were at that point, but I think you had some positive effect on many students the whole time.
3: I like to think that I did.
0: <sighs> you did.
4: I forget the question.
0: Portfolios, what's it like? <clears throat> Portfolios. What's when the first time you brought a portfolio in and you've got an administrator who has to evaluate your background, you've got, I'm sorry, Kit's background, she uh, she was, well, there's lots of reasons people go into homeschooling. The reason we did was probably twofold. The schools weren't very good where we were living at the time, and I wasn't making enough money to pay for private school, so it seemed like a, a good alternative, but once once we got into it, it became what seemed like the best alternative. And so... Um getting back to that question, what, what was it like the first time you sat down as a, as a student with a, with a student and a parent in front of an administrator having to evaluate your own work?
4: So the whole time that I've been homeschooling, um, we take our, make our portfolio and then take it to an evaluator. Um, I did have to get a letter of approval from the evaluator, but I always took our portfolios into the school, and they were looked at by an administrative assistant there. I don't think that they were looked at by the principal. Um, And I guess once once we went through the evaluator process, I wasn't very nervous about bringing them into the administrative assistant. And after the first time, I could see she was – very supportive of the idea of us homeschooling. She, you know, would look through and say, oh, my goodness, look at these field trips that you did. Oh, look at these projects that you did. Um, So she just seemed very, very encouraging, so it was no longer um, stressful. I think making the portfolio every year is very stressful and going into the evaluator um, because I feel like they're evaluating me. (laughs) Now, They're not evaluating the student. They're can you, like,
1: me. find them on the uh, internet and just copy them?
4: <laughs> <laughs> portfolio? Yeah. I, I, I honestly do not know, Doug. You I am an that. honest person and I <laughs> well, do the do, work. And so I want to I'm just show saying, there
1: might know. be a, a, a parent out there who has exceptional ideas mm-hmm. and who you could uh, model yourself after. It, I mean, if you ever had a year where you just wanted to, like, you know, I'm tired of this. I just want to. You know, kick oh. back and
4: well, there are definitely. The I mean, I have definitely copied my goals and objectives. I hope nobody's listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Aha>! <laughs> nobody's listening. <laughs> well, on the other hand, <laughs> I have definitely copied my goals and objectives from someone on the internet who has said, "Feel free to copy and paste oh, okay. my goals and objectives." Um And they're they're super super general. Yeah, um, you know, like student will continue to learn about science through biology perfect okay. um all right but I, um, what do i want to say but i mean as far as putting the portfolio together yeah. the portfolio is what we did Sure. so um i i do know especially so we have um a rising senior a rising junior and then a rising third grader and especially for my third grader i need to show that she's made progress the, um, the requirements are a little bit different in high school. But for my third grader, I need to show that she's made progress, whatever that looks like.
1: Qu- quick question, uh, and I'll, I'll let J.D. get back to the majority of the questions here. But what kind of things are in the portfolio? Can you explain um, what you put there for the uh, administrators to, to look at?
4: Um, so I actually have pared down my portfolio as much as possible um, I believe so in in Betty's portfolio which is the elementary portfolio we have 11 subjects um, that we look at and I can't name them all right now but English science math PE we include Bible music art and others. Um, and generally, I will take, for instance, with math, I might just give them photocopies of five worksheets that we did from the beginning, middle, and end of the year just to show progress.
1: Fred, what kind of things do you look for?
3: Basically, you're looking for evidence of progress. You're looking for evidence that, um, that some education has taken place and some learning has taken place. I think the biggest the biggest disappointment when you're looking through a portfolio, the biggest, biggest disappointment that I've come across is when I get a sense that nothing really happened. Um, and that happened, you know, like I said, back in the beginning, that, that happened, uh, I won't say a lot, but I can only think of three portfolios that I actually denied or asked um, ask that a student be uh, to repeat a grade. Um, and in those situations, they were situations where it was very obvious that very little work was done. You know, you look at the worksheets; they're halfway completed. Um, there weren't any. There weren't any field trips. There wasn't any outside learning. There wasn't anything that took place other than perhaps some notes scratched onto a, a piece of paper. And uh, you know, they they throw the portfolio. I I believe that back then that um, some of some of these parents were. You know, throwing a portfolio together in hopes that nobody was actually going to look at it. it, Did it pass the weight test was the thing that I always kind of snickered about was, you know, is there, did it pass the weight test? Is there enough in there that makes me believe, you know, when you look at, when you look at what a student does um, in, in their high school days, and if you can think about your locker and your notebooks from when you were in high school and the amount of work that you did um even though i wasn't a great student um and i you know i know you were a better student than i was doug a huh. little bit and jd was probably a better like, student according than both to my
1: dreams i could never find my locker that's going back that was, back, yeah, that was uh, our loyal listeners will know what i'm talking about
3: at, of which i am and i do know <laughs> what he's talking about um but you know, there's a there's a plethora of work that you do as a student throughout the school year, and it when you look at it collectively at the end of the year, when you're it's it's much more than you think it is, and um, I think that that's the thing. And, and what it's home when homeschool is done well, and um, you know, I say three—that's a very small number compared to the ones that were, mm. that were done and done well. Um, when homeschool is done well, I think it's very effective. Um, and, um, you know, give credit where credit is due. There are some parents out there that are teachers.
1: Let me ask you this. and Maybe we're spending too much time talking about this, but this is the question I've thought about often, and now I have finally have someone I can ask. Do you feel there are social disadvantages to homeschooling? Is there a, a sense that the child might be missing something? The, the entire socialization that occurs during high school, being with people, being, you know, in clubs. Even though there are a, a chance to experience a social uh, involvement in homeschooling, it, I, I feel like it can't substitute for the, the, the being with people that you are every day, five days a week you know, six months out of the year. Is there a, is there a loss there at some point?
3: Um, not if it's done correctly. Um, okay. I know a lot of homeschoolers meet with other homeschoolers. They have groups that get together and mm-hmm. do things and interact. Um, and I also, you know, the field trip aspect and the learning that takes place outside of the classroom. Um, you say social disadvantage being a public educator, I think there's some social advantage okay, because they are removed from some of the negative things that go on in okay. public school. I can see that. Um, and some of those things can be pretty heavy. Every school that I was in, you know, the four different school districts that I worked in, there were all of those negative aspects that came along with being in a, um, in, a, in an institution, in a public building with, with students from all walks of lives. Um, some of which had little very little, or no direction in life.
1: Okay, we're going to move into a different uh, section here. J.D. As, has brought his... Uh, As
0: fortune would find it, yes. we have a couple of socially awkward homeschool students with us in studio. Oh, okay. excellent. I, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. You don't have to ask if I'm being sarcastic. And, and full disclosure, these are my children, so I'm very proud of them and the work that my wife has done. But I wanted to uh, ask a couple of... Questions that sort of address the concerns of homeschool kids. Oh, this first first one is for my. Um, what, uh, have what? they been prompted how to answer this? No. No. Okay. Uh, well, yes. Yes. <laughs> the first word, not but not beyond that. She doesn't know what the question is. So, uh, this one's for Allison. Allison, you're going into what grade again?
5: Eleventh grade.
0: Rising junior. Okay. So um, this first question is for Allison. So Allison, on you know as a homeschool child. Uh, when you do go out into public several times a year with your family, would you say that you're more often confused with being Mennonite or Amish?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I sort of find that question a little bit offensive, and it's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm confused with being either, but I think people can tell that I'm homeschooled, mostly because I wear long shorts and use big words in sentences. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> That's powerful. <laughs> now, um, this next one's for Sally Jane, who is our rising senior. Um, Sally Jane, have have you come to terms, and are you comfortable comfortable with the arranged marriages that I've <laughs> set up for you?
6: That's also a ridiculous question. <laughs> Um, They
2: know their dad well.
0: (laughs) Okay, I I made that up. They're not really arranged. I'm still negotiating some terms on their dowry.
6: What's the question exactly?
0: (laughs) Uh, How about we shift to another question? Sally Jane, could um, you talk to us about some of the um, extracurricular activities that you and your uh, homeschool friends, although I'm going to also point out here that Sally Jane is currently attending Fort Cherry, Each of my children has one year of public school under their belts. So, Sally Jane, um, two-part question. One is, what kind of things do you do that do, uh, as a homeschooler, uh, allow you to socialize? And what do you see different between that and now that you're going to public school full-time? I'll re-ask the question if you get lost halfway through the answer, because that would be completely reasonable that you would. You lost me.
6: Well, first of all, I would like to make it clear that... um, well, I am going to Fort Cherry now, I am mostly homeschooled, and I'm much more like a homeschooler than a public schooler, so I don't want anybody to be accusing me of being public schooled. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> as to social activities that I can partake in, I've got uh, church, youth group, Sunday school, any curricula- extracurricular activities like uh, dance. Um, I also have friends that i meet in the world like um well i have parents who have friends who have children who are my age and um, and sometimes i meet people at the pool or at the playground uh yeah and i'm sorry what was the second part of that question
0: what's the difference oh, oh what
6: right, right what's, what's the difference between um those social activities and social activities at public school well um for things like youth group and dance people want to be there, and so they're engaged in the space, whereas at public school, usually people are doing—they're uh, on Snapchat most of the time and <laughs> listening to music, and um, I've, it's actually kind of annoying because everybody has these AirPods, and uh, sometimes I can't tell if someone's wearing an AirPod, and so I try to speak to them, you know, be a friendly person, and they can't hear me, and so now I've just spoken to the air. It's like, well, that's terrific. <laughs> um So, yeah, people want to be there. Also, um, yeah, at at other extracurricular activities that I go to, um, it's usually smaller groups as well. So uh, that's where I meet people who end up being my really good friends that I hang out with. Um, Yeah.
1: Sorry, Jane, let me ask you a question. Uh, What would you like to do after school? Like what what are your plans?
6: Everybody asks me this question and I do not know the answer. That's good. You <laughs>
1: shouldn't know right now. This is when you think about it and you have plenty of time to decide. But uh I like uh I like your attitude and I think uh I think your parents have done well. Uh it's good that you've he- you've dipped your toe into each side uh, of the pool as far as homeschooling and public school and um I think that makes you a better person because you, you've you been on both sides. Huh? I'm a
6: very good person. Now. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. Also, uh, I just want to say, uh, uh, my father had asked Allison if she was more often confused with being Mennonite or Amish. <laughs> and um, to that subject, one of my friends told me... I. I I don't know if I imagined this. I don't think I imagined this. She told me that somebody at school had been wondering if I was Mennonite, and (laughs) I don't understand how they could think that I'm Mennonite because I do not, I don't dress like I'm a Mennonite. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Allison, do you have anything else you'd like to add?
4: So I think Allison has a unique experience. Um, as J.D. mentioned, she went to public school for seventh grade and then came home again. Um, and it wasn't really her choice. Um, she had to go. We didn't have another plan for her, to make a long story short. But um, last year, she started at VoTech. Vote she goes over to Western Area CTC. And, um, and she can tell about that.
5: So, um, this past year at Western Area, I decided to, well, I was between the cosmetology and emergency and protective services, um, VOTEX, which is, they seem like different ends of the spectrum, and they sort of are, but due to scheduling conflicts, I um, ended up going with the EPS program, Um, and I'm glad that I did it, but I didn't really like it that much, so this year I'm going to be doing the electrical program, and I didn't really know that I don't think I really knew that Votech was a thing or an option for a while, but then um, I had a friend who attended Parkway, and he's homeschooled. And so like I learned about Votech and now I'm excited to be going back next year for the electrical program at Western Area. And in this way, going to Votech and getting um, this career-centered education um, in high school, I'm going to avoid a lot of student debts um, from college later on by not going to college at all.
3: Yeah, that's huge. And if I could chime in there with you being um, what we call in the CTC as a non-traditional student, because females don't normally take electrical technologies, electrical systems technology, um, you will find it um, both rewarding and there will be a lot of doors. There's going to be some doors opening for you simply because you are a female in the field. Um, So um, that's an advantage you're going to have. And it's interesting that there's two things that you girls said that I find interesting. One of them is that um, you were unaware of the CTC as being an option. That's one of the problems I think we have in public education is a lot of students don't realize that the CTC is an option. And um, homeschoolers in general – are unaware that they can participate, um, just as it, just as if it were a co-curricular activity, um, you should be able to participate. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned was um, cell phones and AirPods, and uh, Sally Jane mentioned that, and I think that uh, one of the largest battles that public educators face today are cell phones and AirPods—not necessarily AirPods, but some type of listening device. Um, cell phones have become so ingrained in society, and um, good teachers find ways to use them positively in the classroom. Um, but some of the, some teachers are struggling with the uh, with cell phone use in general, not just in the classroom, but in the entire building. And there's a lack of what I have witnessed is a lack of consistency in the enforcement of the rules. Um, and that leads only to confusion for the students. Um, if I go to my fourth period class and I know that that teacher doesn't allow me to use my phone and it stays put away and I have respect for that teacher, and then the next period um, my social studies teacher allows us to use phones, um, it sends a mixed message, and I, I think that's part of the problem. Um the other thing that concerns me, really concerns all of us as educators with, with cell phones is, is cheating. Um, it's very easy to uh, to cheat. You know, Doug talked about the portfolios and getting online and finding a ready-made portfolio for your homeschool student. I'm sure you can do that. There's no doubt in my mind you can do that. But you can also get on there and find a ready-made written paper for mm-hmm. the fifth act of Julius Caesar. So, um the internet is is while it's a very valuable tool in education, it's also a formidable enemy.
1: Let me ask you, Fred, and every
3: anyone else here that wants
1: to uh, chime in. Uh, in the last couple of years, with the pandemic that we've all lived through, have you found how has that affected your view of education? Is it more than just? You know the problem with masks. Uh, how has masking affected the younger ones, the real young ones, uh, clear up through seniors in high school, and even even college students forced to wear masks? How Fred? How would? How does masking? Uh, how, what does that affect as far as the mental and the and the emotional? aspect of going
3: to school. Masks were much less of a problem than I anticipated they would be. Um, Kids are pretty resilient. um, And I know that sounds cliche, but it's the truth. And um, they were probably less affected by the use of masks than we were as adults. Um, What I did find was, again, it goes back to what I just said about cell phones that consistency factor where your third period teacher is, you know, the mask police and your fourth period teacher doesn't really care if you have it over your nose. (laughs) Um, but I think that the biggest, the biggest, um, problem that the pandemic created was the, the, the distancing. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about the distancing between the educator and the learner. Um, I think that, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the kids that graduated from high school last year, how much their success was affected by the pandemic. And, um, just, and I guess we will probably won't know that for several years, but I definitely think it had a negative effect, um, we were already, I think we were already dealing with a society that was getting lazy. And um, for lack of a better term, I, I use the phrase lazy. But I think the pandemic gave us a license to be lazy. And um, not only the kids, but the parents and the teachers and us as well. Yeah. That's very um, wise. audience. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that, uh, I think it's going to have an effect that's going to wash out several years from now. But I definitely think there's going to be an effect.
0: No, in our family, the kids were home. I have traditionally worked from home long since before any of this. Um, so I, we just kept checking away. It really wasn't any, I was like May before we even knew anything was going on. I was like, honey, there's no toilet paper at the Dollar General. What is there something <laughs> going on? Um, so I, I think that uh, for homeschool kids, that gave them a chance if they kept moving forward um, to maybe lap the other students um, for a year. But, um, I think, I hope it washes out because it's, I do think that mostly just from my vantage point, it was kind of the unevenness of it that, um, caused confusion and maybe some bit of a lackadaisical attitude towards education in general. I have a friend who teaches at the private school, uh, with some largely disadvantaged kids and they just don't show up. Yeah. Uh, and they're not compelled to show up cause their home life isn't all that good. So, um, that's That's going to affect them adversely, and plus he's trying to teach he's a very hands on science teacher, and he can't do that on the zoom call. We'd have the kids making rockets and guitar amps well yeah. he can't do that online.
3: I mean, you know working in a ctc during the pandemic, imagine trying to teach welding over the internet um oh, that could be dangerous. Or, yeah
0: Auto tech. I've ruined and, three keyboards this week. Yeah,
3: it was it was difficult. And and even, you know, cosmetology, those girls have that to have. That car will never run the same. <laughs> yeah. Those girls have to have a certain number of hours, you know, in uh, as a requirement from the state. And, you know, we had to jump through some hoops to be allowed to give them hours for the work they were doing from home because it just wasn't as um, rigorous, uh, I guess is the word, or... or valuable as actually being in the shop and doing what they needed to do um so th- that was um a, was a huge a huge deficit in the learning that was taking place as far as i could tell and um again you know going back to what you were just saying about the homeschoolers having an advantage um, they did and we were lucky at our ctc because two years prior to the pandemic we started putting our entire curriculum online in an effort to, um, because we had a substitute shortage. So our, our our idea was if we get all of our curriculum online and they do their, they put their lessons online, make videos, do things online, create an online class, then when a student is absent, they can get online and see what was happening. So that was that was the idea behind it when it began. But then, when the pandemic came, it was invaluable. I mean, yeah. it was just so valuable that we had that already done. Other CTCs across the state were like, "Wow, you guys!" And it was completely coincidental. We did it for a completely different reason, but man, did it work out! Yeah, come on, Fred. You
1: you knew ahead, and yeah, you, yeah. you're that yeah. good. Yeah, I an am education.
3: actually the person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he thought it was China. It was Fred. Yeah, it was, it was Fred. It was. So what cousin. can I do to give my kids an advantage? <laughs> I know. It's in venom. Um, bat virus. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, pandemic. Uh,
3: I got to be honest. It had a little bit to do with me retiring early. I okay. bet. Yeah, it did. Uh, it did. Um, it was. It it created a a uh, frustration, of for educators that is. Um, it was unmeasured, and I and uh, you know teachers uh, across the the Commonwealth, across the country, um, were struggling. I bet. Yeah, they were struggling. Uh, they had to learn a whole new system of doing things in a matter of days.
0: I, I
2: and kids were struggling. I mean, a lot of kids what? can't do the online. Learning well, some I'm, are great at it.
0: Yeah, it's it's a modality; it's, that doesn't work for everyone. So yeah. I, I I taught on ground for the University of Phoenix um, in Philly for about ten years. Um, and Bells. it was when I had to move to an online modality, I wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm in a classroom, I can be engaged, and that was I mean, it was it was an interesting campus, and in that I got to teach with educators from Penn and Temple and St. Joe's and really just it was a lot of, a lot of struggling professors who needed to they were death by adjunct they were, you know, they had to find extra work just to make, pay the bills that's the that's what, hap- that's what happens to college teacher college professors but anyway so I got to work with some of these really amazing individuals and there was a I, it was an education that was an opportunity beyond compare I think for a lot of these adult learners who were looking to start a second career and I really loved the soldiers and the grandmothers who were coming back to school for the first time um, second time uh, and, and, and what they were able to do when they really applied themselves but I think probably during the pandemic I my perception I could be completely wrong and correct me and if you want, but I think there were teachers who were frustrated because they were good educators, and there were teachers who had kind of gotten into educating for perhaps the wrong reason and they tapped out. And in either of those cases, it was the students who got hurt. Am I on track with that observation? Yeah, you're a bullseye.
3: Um I had I lost two teachers. One of them was I I truly believe it was specifically because he was disadvantaged technology with tech. He was, he was technologically disadvantaged. He had no idea what the heck he was doing. Um, but he was an excellent teacher on the ground and it was sad to see him go, but, um, (coughs) excuse me. There, there were others that were, um, that were so frustrated. They just did the absolute minimum. And, um, you know, it, it was hard as an administrator to hold teachers accountable during that time yeah. because, like I said earlier, they were doing it. I mean, they were winging it. A lot of them were winging it. You, you do something for 20 years. You stand in front of a classroom for 20 years and, and teach, you know, American literature, and you have a way of doing it. You, you understand how to do it. You know what the questions are going to be. You're prepared. Um, you take that exact same, and, and American literature is probably one of the easier ones to, to take and put online, um, you t- but you you've basically have pulled the rug out from underneath educators as far as their skill set. And um, so, yeah, I think there's probably quite a few retirements, not just mine, and, and you know, I, I don't blame mine solely on um, the pandemic, but it definitely played a part in my frustration with, with, with public education and where things were going.
0: I want to wrap up with uh, maybe five minutes, just looking at the at the future, and hopefully the bright side. So, from our vantage point, you know a little bit about what what we've been doing. It's 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 kind of cute when people say JD and Kit homeschool. to the matter is, I do very, I do nothing. I do nothing about the homeschooling. It's all Kit, um, and frankly, the girls who are self starters and and able to self direct their their days and the the. Planning skills that they employ um, and their organizational skills are really key to what they're able to to do. But then being able to change modalities between modalities is the wrong word here. But being able to change, you know, move so fluidly from homeschooling to public school to what they're doing this coming year in Sally Jane in particular. Uh, she didn't mention it, but she's going to be dancing every day, so she'll be leaving Fort Cherry, going to dance for five six hours. Not every day. I'm being corrected. This happens too in my house. Um, she's going to be dancing a lot. This in, is in why JD has nothing to do. Is why they don't let me <laughs> touch this part of their lives. But um, I, th- I see a great opportunity here for 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 students to be able to work in in, in different areas simultaneously so they can be it can be online they can be on ground in the classroom they can move between vocational training and academic training they I see people already starting to wait later to take college courses uh when I was uh when I was teaching one of my students was um head of the Philadelphia Stock Exchange he needed a degree so he had to go back to school he was at the top of his career but he just wanted to finish school so he's in my class um taking the Keystone class on uh, ethics, I think. Um, and then at graduation, he's the keynote speaker because he's our most prominent student. And I'm sitting on a dice behind him. He's talking about all the great things that this has taught him, and that he's really looking forward to graduation. And you know, I'm back there in my regalia, sitting down, leaning in. I haven't turned in his final grade yet. He hasn't graduated. He <laughs> shouldn't be saying that. Um, but being able to see somebody who... I I don't know what he meant to do with his life, but when he found what he wanted to do, it was it was focused like a laser, and he he then was able to um, to concentrate on that full bore, without all these false starts that sometimes happens during a college career. So I, I see there's not a, you know there's not the not the cadence that you go from high school to college to career, and supposed to know what you're doing. So I think there's a lot of choices here that are uh, going to be ahead of these students, and also that the idea of a lifelong learner who can make those changes mid career, even if they need to do that. And there's a whole lot of other things I wanted to talk about, but we're we're really at the end of our time here. So I just want to thank you, Fred for your lifetime of educating our kids. Um, Thank you for your friendship over these years and thank you for being part of our middleman podcast. We look forward to having you back again.
3: Absolutely, glad to be here. Um, one of the, if I could finish with a bright spot from my perspective, I think that um, one of the things that we talked about tonight, where the, the, the acceptance or understanding of the four-year degree, not necessarily being the 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 only route to success, is huge. And I think um, you know if there's a bright spot in public education, I think that's it. And as long as more and more people become interested in and um, start use, taking advantage of the CTCs and the career opportunities that are available to them, I think um, public education overall will improve.
4: I think um, just my closing thought would be, first of all, I, I oftentimes have people say to me, you know, are you homeschool? I could never do that. Anybody can homeschool. There are so many resources out there. You can choose your own curriculum. You could choose a curriculum that's already built for you. Anybody can homeschool. But, um, you know, we can see examples of bright, um, bright people who contribute to society. Um, and they come out of urban schools. They come out of rural schools. They come out of public schools, private schools, Um Charter schools, they will come out of charter schools. Charter schools might be a little too new yet. And they'll come out of homeschool. And I just think, you know, we, we made a decision with Sally Jean. It's been good for her to go to public school these last two years of, of her at-home career. Um, and so I think I would just want to encourage people by saying, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where your student goes um, but the, they can do anything with the, with the education that they receive. Um, and I think more importantly would be, you know, what kind of support do they get at home or within the school from, you know, administration or teachers who are, you know, plotting them on, pulling them on, um, pushing them forward. I think that is really more important in the making of a person than particularly where they go to school or what they particularly learn.
3: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that entire statement. That's a powerful statement because it's really about the individual and the motivation that they have inside themselves, their innate motivation, as well as the support system that they have around them.
2: I just want to say as a bystander, Kit and JD, well, Kit, (laughs) great job. (laughs) You have three great kids. (laughs) you are a, a great example of a well-run homeschool system and um, I you was one see of those us people <laughs> no. I was one of those people who would say I could never do that but and then Fred um, I I know you said you hope you made a an impact I guarantee and I know you made an impact on kids over the years just the impact of being your friend for all of us, I'm sure, here in this room. I'm pretty sure Um, our friendship helped him. (laughs) I'm pretty sure too. Be what he is basically the reason behind his There's no doubt about it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I know you've you've made an impact and I thank you for that.
0: Thank you. With that, we're going to wrap up this podcast. You, our moment. sound engineer is going Smoke to Keaton walk Keefe us production. out with our usual Section closing producer, music. I want to thank all of our guests today. Uh, writer, Dr. Alfred McGivern, Kit T. Little, T. Little T. Sally host, Jane Little, T. Little T. Allison T. Little. T. Writer, As always, Sharon Merkel, who is the Merkel. glue that holds us together. And Doug Allen,
1: Teddy the
0: pod father.
1: Drop us a line at themiddlemen.99 at gmail.com or follow us. On Twitter at TheMiddleMan99 or Instagram at TheMiddleMan.Podcast. The Middleman, available wherever you get your podcasts.